This is your best friend speaking. My name is Nick Amell, and I am your one and only host of episode 97 of the Tennis Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm the sidekick host. Probably not your best friend. Well, that's a safe assumption. Yeah. This is the show that one of us brings a top 10-ish list on various interesting and uninteresting topics, and the other tries to guess that list Mm -hmm. without knowing what it is. Tonight's list is an interesting topic. I brought tonight's list. Tonight, we're going to talk about the 10 most brutal dictators. Okay, tell me about this list. It comes from metrosaga.com, which I'd never heard of before. You never heard of metrosaga.com? No. Well, now I question your credibility on all lists we've done to date. It's exactly what it sounds like. These are all names that you will be familiar with throughout history who were just brutal dictators. Gandhi. Gandhi was not... Nelson Mandela. And most of this is around uh, body count. Well, what do you mean by most of this? There's some like, uh, you know, bonus points for brutality. But uh, body count, um, you know, number of deaths caused, I think is the main indicator for this list. So, not just the body count, but how violent mm-hmm. the, the dictator was, okay? And this is all of history. There's some real rascals on this list. I mean, could you call the 140,000 plus deaths in America a death by dictator? Well, I will say if it helps for your guessing purposes, these are the most brutal dictators in history. And all of them are dead. There's no living dictator on this list. Okay. Uh, But uh, yeah, there's all manner of ways by which these guys killed people, as we'll see. And yeah, disease is definitely one, is definitely among them. Okay. Well, you know, I like how a few episodes... Well, we had a streak there of pretty dark, disturbing, violent episodes. And then Mm -hmm. I tried to take us, I tried to give us a break last week with Jim Carrey. And this week you bring us right back. So, thank you for that. It's hard to get out of there. Yeah. This is a fun group. Oh, they're fun. Okay. Colorful. This is like uh, Batman's rogues gallery. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too when Mm -hmm. I was thinking of the Holocaust. Well, okay. So, I'll say the one probably on the tip of most people's tongue. But I'm going to say he's not number one. I'm going to say he's... Top five, but not number one, and that's Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Adolf Hitler is, uh, one might say he's the poster boy for brutal yeah. dictators. He puts the dick in dictator. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you've never heard of the fellow goes by the name of Adolf Hitler. What number? He's number three Knew it. on our list. The third most brutal dictator, according to metrosaga.com, was Adolf Hitler, a German politician and leader of the Nazi party. He rose to power as the Chancellor of Germany in 1933 and then as Führer in 1934. His dictatorship from 1933 to 1945, uh, during that dictatorship, he initiated World War II. That's a bad one. Yeah. That was a big and bad one. In Europe, uh, by invading Poland in September 1939, he was closely involved in military operations throughout the war and was central to the perpetration of the Holocaust. The penetration? The perpetration. Can't make jokes about the Holocaust. You're right. Someone will cancel you. No jokes here about the Holocaust. We don't want to get, we can't afford to get canceled. Yeah. The Holocaust is, uh, that Hitler is responsible for the Holocaust is pretty well known. Well, tell the folks at home just in case. Well, he was responsible for the Holocaust whereupon six million Jews and millions of others, what, uh, Slavs, gypsies, homosexuals, political opponents were murdered. But this isn't about that. That's the Holocaust has been covered. And like you said, we've been too dark lately. So instead, I'm going to cover the part of his brutal dictatorship in which he came into power. Most of us are familiar with what happened when he, you know, was the Fuhrer. But how did he go from a failed watercolor artist to (laughs) leader of the Nazi party? And among the most significant people in the history of the world for the, all the wrong reasons, but yeah. he's, he's so bad and he sucks so much, but the world is so different because of him. Yeah. Well, you had your chance to go back in time and take care of him and you, <laughs> you didn't. Well. So, after he was elected or made chancellor of Germany in 1933, he had full control over the legislative and executive branches of government. 
and then he and his allies began to suppress the remaining opposition. The political party that was in opposition to the Nazis, the, other, the, the strongest political party in opposition to them, the Social Democratic Party, it was banned and all of its assets were seized. Uh, so his stormtroopers were, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what they are, his stormtroopers uh, forced the trade unions to dissolve and arrested their leaders. Some of them were sent to concentration camps. But then their demands for more political and military power caused anxiety among military, industrial, and political leaders. So in response, Hitler purged the entire SA leadership, something called the Night of the Long Knives, which took place from the 30th of June to the 2nd of July in 1934. Is that where they were all assassinated? Yes. The leaders, along with a number of Hitler's political adversaries, were rounded up, and this included a former chancellor, were rounded up, arrested, and shot. And the international community and some Germans were shocked by the murders. But many in Germany believed Hitler was restoring order. Damn. You know, the Hitler rise to power and some dark brutal stuff. murder of mm-hmm. millions of people is not that long ago relative to history. No. It's like less than 100 years ago. And I used to think oh, the world will never accept the rise of someone so so cruel and selfish and prejudiced and all that but here we fucking are yeah uh, that's part of why i left this in here the uh that i just thought it was interesting that many in germany believed he was restoring order draining the swamp you might say yeah anyway today with our situation here as well as back in hitler's time it just seemingly happened overnight you know it just he came out of nowhere and It, it did he it did happen very quickly yeah. Uh, another parallel uh, to today is that as the head of state, Hitler also became commander-in-chief of the armed forces. He had the traditional loyalty oath of soldiers. It was altered to affirm loyalty to Hitler personally by name rather than the office of commander-in-chief, which was later actually renamed to supreme commander. Under him, right? Mm-hmm. So- supreme commander. Hitler. He just got away with so much bullshit. It's incredible what you just said. Like why anybody would allow that change to happen. But Well, did you know that there were um, still elections while Hitler was in charge? And he won? uh, Yeah, and he won. Elections were not held in secret conditions and the Nazis threatened severe reprisals against anyone who did not vote or who dared to vote no or against uh, Hitler. So, it was like the guise of a democracy, but not really. Yeah. You know, they could report to the rest of the world. Uh, Much like Putin does and much like Saddam Hussein did. Yeah, that they had had a vote and they won like 99% of the vote. Anyway. We need to start doing that with our podcast when we want people to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. We have to threaten them with murder. Well, maybe not murder, but like we'll... A fierce tickling? Yeah, we'll tickle you real bad. Uh, so, that's Hitler at number three. And you just gave like the absolute cliff notes version of Hitler. Yes. One of these days, we should do just a deep dive on Hitler. Maybe that's a Patreon episode. Yes. Tonight, these are all Cliff's notes version of these dictators. I just started a podcast series that is not like I'm just plugging something that I like. They're not giving us any money. It's called Behind the Bastards. I've listened to several of the, the guy, I say guys, there are no women uh, on tonight's list, so there's a clue. Uh, women tend to not make very good brutal dictators. Have there been any famous women dictators? Like not leaders, but dictators. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, this podcast I listened to called Behind the Bastards. Um, you should check it out. It's really good. Cool. But Brandon, let me handle the plugs from now on, okay? Sure. It's cute that you're trying, but... <laughs> um, okay, so... I have a feeling, okay, well, is number one modern times? Nearly all of these are 20th century. Okay, because I was thinking of like a Roman Empire type. Is that not included? There is one here that dates back to at like, you know, almost a thousand years. Uh, There's a couple like that. Okay. The rest are all within the um, 20th century. I'm just going to name off some like Roman esque era I'll go ahead and leaders. Cut, I'll go ahead and stop you there. Okay. I will say there are no Romans on here. Caligula 
did not make the list of the most brutal dictators. Who's the one from a thousand years ago? Uh, okay, well, let me stick to modern then because I'm a little more familiar with those. So, how about uh, Mussolini? Mussolini is not in the top 10. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not in Hitler class. Definitely a dick. Yeah, definitely an asshole. Uh, okay, so how about uh, Saddam Hussein? Saddam Hussein is number four on the list. Mm, it's pretty high. Well, he was a bit of an asshole. Right under Hitler, though? Well, like I said, I well, didn't... Well, you, you tell me about him. I don't really know yeah. as much. Uh, his full name, Saddam Hussein Abd al-Majid al-Tikriti, because he's from Tikrit. Yeah. He was the fifth president of Iraq from July 1979 until April 9th, 2003. He was a leading member of the revolutionary Arab Socialist Ba'ath Party and later the Baghdad-based Ba'ath Party and its regional organization, the Iraqi Ba'ath Party. Uh, they espoused, if you haven't already guessed, Ba'athism, which is a mix of Arab nationalism and socialism. Uh, so Wait, so they're not having a party like in a hot tub in robes and shit? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, he probably did a lot of that, bathing in like... I, he, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that he had bathed in a bath of blood at some point. I would say that would not surprise me for probably anyone we're going to talk about today. No. Uh, Saddam played a key role in the 1968 coup that brought the Ba'ath Party to power in Iraq. He formally rose to power in 1979, although he had already been the de facto head of Iraq for several years. He suppressed several movements, particularly Shia and Kurdish movements, which sought to overthrow the government or gain independence. And, of course, you remember he maintained power during the Iran-Iraq War and the Gulf War. His rule was a repressive dictatorship. The total number of Iraqis killed by the security services of Saddam's government in various purges and genocides is conservatively estimated to be 250,000. Saddam's invasions of Iran and Kuwait also resulted in hundreds of thousands of deaths. So, on a body count basis, he's way behind Hitler. So far. So far. Okay. We're going to mention a few other things, uh, but also the brutality. Yeah. And the mustache. Right. That earns him a pretty high spot. There are... He is the mu of, sorry to interrupt you, but of all the dictators, I have to assume he's the one that looks the most like Mario. He's not. There is another <laughs> one on this list that would make a very excellent Mario. <laughs> he would make a good one, no doubt. Okay. All right. Um, but you remind me of something uh, on this list, and this may even help you in your guessing. I did the math, and 50% of the most brutal dictators wore mustaches and wore very distinctive mustaches. Mm -hmm. Something about a sharp-dressed mustache that ladies don't like. Yeah, well, it, mustache and being an asshole go hand in hand. <laughs> There's a hot take for you. Tom Selleck would kick your ass. <laughs> Interesting fact about old Saddam Hussein. Before he was born, cancer killed both Saddam's father and brother. These deaths made his mother, Saba, so depressed that she attempted to abort her pregnancy and commit suicide. She was trying to do to Saddam Hussein what you couldn't do to baby Hitler. Well, the world... For people that don't know what you're talking about... <laughs> There. Brandon did ask me in a past episode if I would kill mm -hmm. baby Hitler when time traveling and I said no because I can't kill a baby. Sue me. Can't kill a baby. I know. Weird. But if Hussein's mommy had aborted him, the world would be better off. Right. She told people that the devil himself was inside her and that he was responsible for the deaths of his father and brother. Well, she was at least half right about the devil part. After he was born, she said she would have nothing to do with him and he was taken in by an uncle. You know, they say like a face, you know, only a mother could love. Even his mother couldn't love his. Even his mother yeah. didn't love him. Yeah, uh, he wanted to attend school when he was a kid. He was a nerd. He wanted to, you know, learn math. God. I want to steal his lunch money so bad right now. You couldn't because his uncle gave him money and a gun. And he sent him off and he held the principal of the school at gunpoint and demanded to be taught. <laughs> My God, is that a true story? Yes. It's part of what I recently heard on, on that podcast. 
their episode on Saddam Hussein is really cool, really funny, really in-depth, and much better than I'm going to be able to do in the next few minutes here. Okay, so should we just rename this podcast from the Tennis Podcast to the podcast that talks about this other podcast Brandon likes? Yeah. Should we just do that? Okay. Human rights organizations documented government-approved executions, acts of torture, and rape for decades after Saddam Hussein came to power in 1979 till his fall in 2003. You may remember one of his greatest genocidal hits was God. massacring the Kurds in northern Iraq with poison gas. Yeah, it's from his greatest hits album. Another illustration of how rigid his dictatorship was against the citizens of Iraq. In June of 94, his regime established severe penalties, including amputation, branding, and the death penalty for criminal offenses such as theft, corruption, currency speculation, and military desertion. Not currency speculation. You could get your arm cut off. Now, who is this that got their arms cut off and stuff? Well, anybody who committed these criminal offenses. Oh, okay. Just during his reign. Yeah. I thought you meant a specific group of people. Amputation, branding, and or the death penalty. Uh, But government members and Saddam's family members were immune from punishments. Uh, for those kind of crimes. <laughs> I mean, does that not tell you everything you need to know about... It's good to be the king. But okay, so this isn't like North Korea where the, the citizens don't know better. Everyone there knows he sucks, right? Yeah, they, they just, just can't do anything him. about it. Okay. Is it. Like, isn't it so interesting if you're an alien looking down and you're like, why is everybody so afraid of this one guy? There's a whole bunch of you. Just go in there mm-hmm. and stomp him out. No. Easy for us to say, Brandy. Yeah. In 2001, the Iraqi government amended their constitution to make sodomy a capital offense. So, okay. So, does that include gay sex in their mind? I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Good. You mean no fun. But uh, not his family though. They were immune to the illegal sodomy. (laughs) They probably were. I'm positive that his sons Uday and Kusun uh, (laughs) continued sodomy (laughs) at least from 2001 (laughs) until... Sodomy caught up with him in March or April of 2003. Uh, yep. Yeah, he tortured civilians and journalists. They systematically tortured. There's, uh, you know, I mentioned his sons Uday and Kuse. Those little, uh, those little rascals were born into power and grew up, be, you know, being just as like brutal and psychopathic as their father. Uh, one of them, I can't remember if it was Uday or Kuse, was put in charge of the Iraqi Olympic soccer team. And he used to do, he used to torture them for losing. <laughs> he tortured his own sons? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. His the son, son tortured would the torture team. torture the athletes, yes. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how you grew up to be. Well, I do. You have your dad as Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Saddam Hussein would like pick out a different woman from a lineup every night, sometimes more than one. Uh, there's all, there's a lot of interesting stuff to Saddam Hussein, uh, way more than just we could cover, but, uh, yeah, he, he, he was a dictator in the truest sense of the form. He, he lived like a king. He did whatever he wanted yep. for his own pleasure. And you know, the thing about someone like Saddam and probably Hitler, if he wasn't assassinated, uh, or did he kill himself? Killed, killed himself, himself, right? Yeah. There's no end. You know, in the United States, at least you have the four years for president, right? Yeah. Although Donald Trump won't accept his defeat, uh, it's looking like. But um, every four years, you can, can hope for change. In the case of these dictators, you're just stuck with them until they either die or voluntarily step down, which that none of them happen. Have done. Yeah, it's just a military no. coup. Yep. Sucks. Yeah, bad times. Okay, well, I know we're talking about dictators, so I'd like to dictate to you about my dick real quick. Oh. I am Saddam Hussein to my balls because I have a razor. (laughs) Is this a segue to to (laughs) plug this ball shaver? I'm trying, but it's getting wildly inappropriate. Let me just start over and say that support for this fucking show, the Tennis Podcast, is brought to you by Manscaped, Uh who I I can confirm from legit experience is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Do you see how that rhymes? Tools and jewels. Mm-hmm. I love this. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And if it wasn't clear, that's your testicle grooming experience. Right. 
Manscaped sent me some product samples. They're great. Some razor blades for your balls. Razor blades for my balls. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent over 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Yeah, they the probably went to college thinking that they would end up like working on something to send people to Mars. Instead, they're improving the ball hair trimmer. Who's going to get more use out of technology in this lifetime? The Mars Maybe technology the, or the ball shaver? This might be the ball shaver that they were developing for Mars astronauts and then we're benefiting from it. So, Well, I guarantee you that this would work there because this razor is water resistant so you can groom anywhere. It's a zero gravity. Yeah. If your nuts are floating about in zero gravity, this, this razor can still hit them. And the battery lasts up to 90 minutes. So, you can use your ball shaver uninterrupted for more of your trip to Mars than you normally would and comes with a LED light that illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Uh-huh. And if you don't want to wake up your bunkmates on your fucking spaceship, the Lawnmower 3.0 comes with a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology and let's not forget yeah, about- With quiet what? Quiet stroke. Now I know why you like this thing. So, you can stroke quietly. Okay, so if you're listening to me speak right now, and I know you are, I want you to experience this thing firsthand or give it to the man in your life if you don't have balls of your own to shave. So, you can trim that junk of yours. Right now, for 10-ish podcast listeners, you can get 20% off plus free shipping. All you got to do is go to manscaped.com and enter the code 10-ish. Your balls will thank you. So, once again, that's manscaped.com. Use the code 10-ish. One zero ish and you will get 20% off plus free shipping. Your balls will thank you. It's true. So, why don't you, why don't I give you another guess? I'm trying to save number one for last, but I'm worried about having enough other guesses. Let me think for a moment. Uh, what about uh, Fidel Castro? Is he uh He's not in there. I didn't think he was, like he was a dickhead, but he didn't like murder people, right? Nah, he's a pretty gentle dictator. Okay. Oh, Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un is not in here. Hmm. He's alive. Okay. They're all dead, you said. Right. I tried to emphasize that Kim Jong-un wasn't in here. His so, father? So, those are hints. Not his father, his father's father. His grandfather. Kim Jong-un's father is Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il's father is... Do you know? Kim jong Kim Il-sung. I don't, I'm not no, quite I... sure how Korean names work, but it's Kim Il-sung, then Kim Jong-il, then Kim Jong-un. Okay, I believe you. So, anyway, Kim Il-sung is number five on the list behind Saddam Hussein. Got it. He looks just like Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-il. He's a fat Asian guy with... <laughs> Whoa. Well, is that not what he is? He's a fat Korean I mean, Korean you're guy? right. No, you're right. You're right. Damn, it's just, when you put it that way, it just kind of takes you back a minute, but you're Kim right. Kim Jong-un is definitely f- the fattest, but they're all just little, little fat Korean guys. Now it's he, like those, those old, um, you know those little, uh, not a doll, but like they were like a egg-shaped wooden thing and you'd, it was a person and you could pull it apart and there'd be smaller people inside and it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Are you talking about like a nesting doll? Is that, I don't know what it's called, but... Hopefully, everyone knows what I mean and it might be called Ooh, Nesting like Doll. Anyway, Humpty we are in that right now with the lineage of rulership. Of in, Kim's. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, Kim Il-sung was the founder of North Korea, which he ruled from the country's establishment in 1948 until his death in 1994. He held the post of premier from 1948 to 1972 and then president from 1972 to 1994. I guess he just it means changed. he ruled for 50 years. He invaded South Korea. Well, he didn't. He may have had other people do it. Invaded South Korea in 1950, which kicked off the Korean War. Under his leadership, North Korea was established as a communist country. It had close political, economic relations with the Soviet Union. So, through the late 50s and 19, through the 1970s, North Korea enjoyed a higher standard of living than South Korea, which was suffering from political chaos and economic crises. That was till the when, 90s? Yeah, until the 70s, through the 70s. Oh, Because it's, it's not what you think of South Korea today. No, no. 
and that's because the situation reversed in the 1980s. As the newly stable South Korea became an economic powerhouse, which was fueled by Japanese and American investment, military aid, and internal economic development, while North Korea stagnated and then declined during the same period. And that's the North Korea we know today. The shell of a country that's like, you know, behind the scenes, it's a dilapidated, starved shithole. Has North Korea, since its beginning, always been this secretive, closed-off society, or is that new? I think so. I think it's always been secretive like that. Now, during the the time of decline, differences emerged between North Korea and the Soviet Union. Chief among them was Kim Kim Il-sung's philosophy, which focused on Korean nationalism and self-reliance and socialism. But despite this, the country was still receiving funds, subsidies, and aids. And I'm sorry, they did not get AIDS. (laughs) They got AIDS. Everyone's got AIDS. Uh, From the USSR until the USSR dissolved in 91. And when it dissolved, the resulting loss of economic aid fucked North Korea up Uh, pretty bad. That's why. Right. So bad. Caused widespread famine in 1994, the year that Kim Il-sung died. He probably died of a broken heart. God, fuck, fuck you for that. <laughs> uh, so, during that period, North Korea uh, also remained critical of the United States because we have defense forces in the region, you know, because they're a little bit intense. And they consider that we're imperialist, which maybe they have a point there. Hmm. North Korea seized an American ship, the USS Pueblo, in 1968. Pueblo? Yeah. I had never heard of that before. Now, um, at the 6th Workers People, how do you ever say it? Uh, Whatever. They're one of their big get-togethers there in North Korea. His oldest son, (laughs) Kim Jong-il, was elected to be the presidium member and chosen to be his successor. Is that the one that... Kim Jong-il is the one that was the leader when we were like, when Team America was made. That's exactly yeah. my question. Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> That's Kim Jong-il. So wrong <laughs> Kim Il-sung's birthday is a public holiday in North Korea called the Day of the Sun. Of course. In 1998, he was declared eternal president of the republic. <laughs> okay, how's that fucking work, asshole? <laughs> well, you can't take it away, can you? You can't undeclare it. I declare bankruptcy. And Does that the, mean that he still holds that title even though he's dead? Yeah. You can't, can't okay. take that so away So, his son from didn't take that title. His son got a new title. Yeah. They all give themselves kind of fancy fun titles. Uh, and his legacy of uh, prison camps continues today. Yeah. Tell me about those. I don't really know a lot about it. Well, there are, yeah, that's exactly it. There's a ton of um, like prison camps and laser, laser, laser tag, (laughs) laser camp sounds awesome. Uh, Labor camp sounds significantly worse. There are people in North Korea who were born, grew up, met someone, had a family and died all within prison camps in North Korea. Are the prison camps just to keep political enemies into and political like- dissidents and people who were convicted of minor crimes there's a like for certain crimes like not just you go away but your whole family that's fucked up and we know this from spies and shit since no one's technically allowed in there yeah um at some point a couple few years ago i found this website that was full of just full of information about what north korea is like behind the scenes with like satellite footage of prison camps and suspected sites for camps and uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff out there about North Korea. It's fucked up. It sure is. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like you, Kim Il-sung. Okay, is there a, I don't remember how to say his name, but there's a Chinese dictator Mm -hmm. that starts with an M maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I don't, I, I can't say his name, so why don't you just tell me what number he is? Well, you've stumbled into it this time. Number one? His name, his number one. Ha, huh, I could have sworn it was Stalin. Okay. Mao Zedong, also known as Chairman Mao, is the number one most brutal dictator. I got to hear about this guy. I know nothing about him. I did not know uh, much either. I have a feeling that for the rest of these, or at least for some of the rest on this list, People are familiar with the name, that they know that they were bad dudes, but they may not be familiar with them. And so, I'm going to give, 
a high level overview for some of these guys that, you know, I feel like most of us don't really know that well. So, Chairman well, Mao. Real, real quick, I'm yeah. sorry, but you, you said that they were bad dudes. I just want to clarify for any listeners out there, we don't mean bad dudes like Fonzie bad dude. We mean bad dude as in... You Killed know. millions of people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fonzie didn't kill that many people. As far as we know. Mao Zedong, also known as Chairman Mao, is a Chinese communist revolutionary who became the founding father of the People's Republic of China, which he ruled as the chairman of the Communist Party of China from its establishment in 1949 to his death in 1976. Can I point out something real quick before you go on? Mm -hmm. There's a couple trends I'm seeing. One, most, I think four out of four so far mm -hmm. were established in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And also, three out of four, uh, no, sorry, two out of four, but also Stalin later, communist. Yeah. Hardcore communism does tend to appeal to or, or give way to a, a brutal dictatorship. And World War II, among like the, all the, you know, World War II is kind of a big damn deal. Uh, and yeah. part of the shakeup coming out of it is just is all this uh, chaos and unrest and, you know, sometimes those who come out on top are the brutal dickheads like Mr. Mao. And we have Hitler to thank for all this. That's why I, I think number three might be too low for him, but... Maybe we need to reserve a spot up there for the guy who couldn't take care of baby Hitler. <laughs> My gosh. Okay, okay so, so tell me about Mr. Mao. Yeah. Chairman Mao, in October of 1949, Mao proclaimed the foundation of the People's Republic of China a single-party state controlled by the Communist Party of China. In the following years, he solidified his control through campaigns against landlords, which I gotta admit, like, a lot of people are probably happy that he went after landlords, uh, su suppression of counter-revolutionaries, the three anti- and five anti-campaigns, and through a psychological victory in the Korean War, which altogether caused the deaths of several million Chinese. Uh, so, this next part, I have to ask you, have you ever played any of the Civilization games? I know what they are, but I have not played familiar them. Familiar with them. So, if you're not familiar with the Civilization series, these are games in which you, uh, you're a leader of like an early civilization and you can put, it, is it a role-playing game? You can put so much of your country's time, energy, and funds towards like, you know, learning how to... Uh, build moats or divert rivers or irrigation or higher education or... Why are you telling us this? Because Mao is like a really bad civilization player in which he put all of his... He put all of his eggs in the wrong basket and killed millions and millions of people. In 1958, he launched the Great Leap Forward that aimed to rapidly transform China's economy from agrarian to industrial, which led to the deadliest famine in history and the deaths of up to 46 million people between oh, 1958 and 1962. That's so an average of 12 million people a year for four years. Was this a case of neglect or was this a case of like carelessness toward the lower class or like what... What's his responsibility? Economies don't just transform overnight, but I think to me it's what sounds like what he was trying to do was transform what they were doing from working in fields and making food to feed people to going and building shit in, in uh, factories that may not even be for China or to benefit the people in China. And there was obviously yeah. a huge food shortage. Okay, so it's kind of like, you know, I'm just pointing out a difference here. His murdering of 40 million people that what, it's not like that was his goal, but it reminds me of the pharaohs that made the Egyptians build yeah, pyramids he just, like until they died. He threw yeah. a bunch of people at this problem. He didn't give a shit if millions of people died. Exactly. You said it right. better than I did. We're going to be an industrial economy yeah. and if it takes a lot of blood to grease these industrial wheels, well, I guess it's so going to be, be yours, right? In 1966, he initiated the Cultural Revolution. This is a program to remove counter-revolutionary elements in Chinese society and it lasted 10 years and was marked by a violent class struggle, widespread destruction of cultural artifacts, and an unprecedented elevation of Mao's cult of personality. Tens of millions of people were persecuted during the revolution, while the estimated number of deaths ranges from hundreds of thousands to millions. 
During Mao's era, China's population grew from around 550 million to over 900 million, nearly doubled, while the government did not strictly enforce its family planning policy. Forced Mao's successors, such as, oh God, Deng Xiaoping, <laughs> to, take yes, of course. to take stricter policies to cope with the overpopulation process. So he racked up during his time between 40 and 80 million victims through starvation, persecution, prison labor, and mass executions. So it's interesting that even though he fucking sucked, the population was booming. But what's the reason for that? <laughs> they were horny as hell. <laughs> Yeah. They were eating a uh, ground-up rhino horn and banging the hell out of each other. Yes. Does China still have the rule where you can only have one child? Uh, maybe so. It, this, I mean, this does say that his successors uh, were forced to take stricter policies to cope with the overpopulation crisis. How long was a Mao in rule? From 1949 to his death in 1976. So, yeah, 27 years. Say what you will about America, and um, there's a lot of things about America that sucks, and there's a lot of things about America that's great. <laughs> this guy sucked major ass. For all the good and bad in America, one thing I think we got right is term limits because... Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Mao. Cousin Mao, number one. Yep. Uh, and, and Mao, you know. <laughs> well, I'm going to quit stalling. And get to my next guest, okay. which is number two, which is going to be Joseph Stalin. It is commie. number two. Number two is Joseph Stalin, a Georgian revolutionary and Soviet politician who ruled the Soviet Union from the mid-1920s until his death in 1953. He is the other brutal dictator that I think would make a wonderful Mario. Yeah, you're right. Because he was also small. But wasn't uh, Hussein smaller? I don't know. But Mario was short but plump, so maybe the taller of the two could be Luigi. No, I don't, I don't know. No, nothing I read uh, talked about Saddam's size, although Joseph Stalin is mentioned to be short in stature. I think that kind of is in opposition to his or juxtaposition to his propaganda image, which was this big, strong, burly dude with a big old mustache. Now, Stalin assumed leadership over the Soviet Union following Lenin's death in 1924. Under Stalin, socialism in one country became a central tenet of his party's dogma. The country underwent agricultural collectivization and rapid industrialization. Now, the last time we talked about agricultural revolution and rapid industrialization, yeah. there was some, some happened, right? Didn't go so well. Didn't go so well. Uh, well, same thing happened here, although this was the, a precursor. Uh, this is where uh, Chairman Mao should have done his history lesson. It led to significant disruptions in food production and contributed to the famine of 1932 to 1933. Among the other butthole things he did, uh, to eradicate <laughs> accused enemies of the working class, Stalin instituted the Great Purge, in which over a million were imprisoned and at least 700,000 executed between 1934 and 1939. By 1937, he had complete personal control over the party and state of the Soviet Union. His totalitarian government has been widely condemned for overseeing mass repressions, ethnic cleansings, deportations, hundreds of thousands of executions, and famines that killed millions. You know, with him and Hitler... I'm reminded of the fact that, yes, they were the evil dictator assholes on top, mm -hmm. but they still had millions of people that supported <laughs> them and did their bidding. They still had feelings. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> they still had people that did this shit for them. Joseph Stalin, you know, he, his staff, his underlings, I have a feeling like they all were, I mean, they were all terrified of him I and mean, that's no... You don't have to guess that. They're all terrified of being killed or imprisoned for some kind of perceived slight or imperceived slight. But he used to make them have dinner and drink with him like every night and drink with him to like blind, stinking, can't stand up excess every single night. So you're constantly on pins and needles thinking you're going to say the wrong thing and get imprisoned forever. 
That I like how that's your anxieties that you would say the wrong. Oh yes, but also <laughs> think about having to drink the point where you like can't walk and like throw up or piss yourself every night because he wants someone to stay up all night and drink and watch movies with. Watch movies, yeah. I heard he loves Dumb and Dumber. No, he did. He every like every night late after they were drinking, he liked to watch American movies. Strange. So there, there you go. Joseph Stalin. This is where it's going to get hard for me. So, what is there any uh, British dictators on here? No. Like King George? No. no. There's no Australian dictators, I don't think. No, no Canadian dictators. I'll tell you, so far we have left. There are two that are Asian. Two from the continent of Africa. And okay. one, I'm not going to know those. And one from like Eastern Europe. I guarantee you, you've heard the names of the two from Africa as well. Okay, you've heard so all of these names. Is there someone from Japan on there? No. I don't really know Japan's history. One of the ones on here from Asia is from Cambodia. The other one is originally from Mongolia. Genghis Khan? Genghis, that's how that guy says. He says Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan uh, is number 10. Stick him with Genghis. Now, if we're going that far back, this asshole should probably be number one. But He's the farthest whatever. back, but yeah, he actually should be one. As far as like, well, there also weren't that many people around to kill. He but killed think about as like many, Mao. He killed as many as he could get a hold of. But he, and brutally. Yeah. But Mao was number one and he has the highest body count. But, and I'm not trying to discount like the horrible shit he did, but it just seems like callousness, coldness and disregard. Whereas people like Stalin, Hitler, Genghis, pretty much every other person on this list so far has like murdered in cold blood. But I don't know. It's just seems different to me, but whatever. Tell me about Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. So, Genghis Khan, he was the founder and first great Khan and emperor of the Mongol Emperor Empire, uh, which became the largest continue, cont contiguous empire in history after his death. His conquest and leadership included widespread devastation and mass murder, uh, and he, along with the Mongols in general, perpetrated what has been called ethnocide and genocide. So, they were all on board with this. This isn't, isn't a case of him being a brutal dictator and the Mongols were terrified of him too. They were all on board, gung-ho. He's just the leader gone. of it. Right. The targets of his campaigns that refused to surrender would often be subjected to reprisals in the form of enslavement or wholesale slaughter. Uh, wholesale slaughter wholesale slaughter can't get it any cheaper <laughs> yeah they used to leave a mountain of skulls after yep. erasing uh those that uh, oppose them does that mean they would they would skin the skulls they may have probably boiled them fuck that man they erased entire cultures from history there was a culture in Western, uh, well, I think Western China, uh, an area called Western Chia, uh, it's XIA. That culture has been completely erased from history. It's estimated 1.5 million people were killed in this genocide and none of its culture survived. They killed up to 75% of the inhabitants of the Iranian plateau. That was up to 10 to 15 million people. Sorry, but this guy should be number one. He is a pretty strong candidate. Early in his career, after they defeated the Tatar army, he ordered every man taller than a wagon wheel to be beheaded. Wait, every man taller than a wagon wheel, which is almost every man, right? Which is everybody over the age of like, you know, two or three years old. He ordered them killed? Yeah, their heads, uh, he wanted their heads to come off. In his own camp? His own people? Yeah, or no, after he defeated the Tatar army, the, oh, another tribe, okay. another people. So, he wanted the women and the children. Yeah. In the year 1223, the Mongolian army defeated the Russian army at the Battle of the Kalka River. The Mongolians celebrated 
by forcing Russian generals and nobility to lie down on the ground, and then they put a heavy wooden gate on top of them, and then chairs and tables were set on them, and the army then sat down at those tables and chairs for a feast, crushing their enemies to death beneath their feet while they celebrated. I mean, points for creativity, I guess. Did you ever think of that shit? They got to just be thinking of unique ways to kill people like during their long travels because that's not something you just think up on the spot there. No. So, during their travels from conquest to conquest, some asshole in the back is like, so I took some notes and I wrote down a few ideas that we could try at the next, <laughs> the next, at the next massacre. I thought yeah. of some fun stuff. I've been playing, I, you know, you used to doodle, as a kid, you doodle stick figure wars. Mm-hmm. That's what that guy was doing. He just handed it over and he was like, look at all this fun shit we could do. Yeah. You could stick them under this thing and, and then we all stand and sit on them and we eat and drink and squish them while we do it. And that means that, I mean, the food is not there. They got to cook the food, prepare the food, kill the chickens, all that. So, yeah. it's a process. And when Genghis Khan died, he, they had slaves take him to like a secret place to bury him. And then the warriors that took the slaves there, killed all those slaves. And then the, when the warriors returned, the people killed the warriors to keep the burial location a secret. Yeah, I remember reading that. So, no one knows where he is to this day, right? No. Alrighty. So, that was Genghis Khan, also known as Genghis Khan, also known as Genghis Khan. Uh, as number 10, you have... Four left. Yeah, I'm gonna need help. And there, yeah, you're gonna need some help. So let's uh, let's focus on the other one from uh, Asia. He's from Cambodia. And he was in charge around the time of the Vietnam War. I I don't know that time in history very well. This one I might, might just have to throw to you at number six. We got Pol Pot. Are you familiar with Pol Pot? Not really. Have you heard the name before? Probably. Okay. Let's spell it. P-O-L-P-O-T. Okay. Yeah. Pol Pot. It's a cool name. Yeah, it is a good name. Yeah, this is another one of those guys that like, I was familiar with the name. I wasn't too sure what exactly it was that made him such a butthole. Well, here it is. He was a Cambodian revolutionary and politician who governed Cambodia as the prime minister between 1975 and 1979. Four short years, he was a leading member of Cambodia's communist movement. And under his administration, Cambodia was converted to a one-party communist state governed according to his interpretation of Marxism-Leninism. Pol Pot's government forcibly relocated the urban population to the countryside to work on collective farms. Now, first, that sounds terrible. Yes. Taking all these city people and forcing them in the gut, like, you don't work in a cubicle no more. You squeeze udders at four o'clock every morning. I mean, there could be, could be worse things to squeeze, am I right? Pursuing complete egalitarianism, money was abolished. Huh. Citizens were made to wear the same black clothing. I've never heard of that. Money yeah, being abolished. Uh, it's like the song Imagine, only someone took like the shittiest interpretation of it. So, there's no so money then, and you don't even have to pick out your clothes. Today, I'm wearing black, the same thing everybody else is wearing. Hmm. Uh, enemies to his regime were killed and these mass shootings coupled with malnutrition and poor medical care killed between 1.5 and 2 million people, approximately a quarter of Cambodia's population period later termed the Cambodian genocide. And I realize I said he was in charge during Vietnam. He was actually in charge right after Vietnam, but he was also a leading member of their communist movement starting in 1963. Well, there goes all your credibility. Yeah. You want to correct anything else you've said today? In rural areas, most of the killings were perpetrated by young cadres who were enforcing what they believed to be the government's will. Across the country, peasant cadres tortured and killed members of their own communities whom they disliked. Many cadres ate the livers of their victims and tore unborn, unborn fetuses from their mothers to use as talismans. 
What the fuck? The central command of the country was aware of such practices but did nothing to stop them. That's heavy. Pretty heavy dude, this old Pol Pot. I have no jokes for that. So, that's Pol Pot at number six. Now, Why'd they eat the livers though? Like as a power move or because they were starving? Uh, probably both. I think the liver contains like a bunch of nutrition. Isn't there a bunch of iron in the liver? You're asking the wrong ombre. So, there's three left. I mentioned two are from Africa and one is from Eastern Europe. And the one from Eastern Europe, you definitely know this guy. Eastern Europe. Yeah. So, that's got to... Think okay, like so. back in like 1400s and this guy's got the baddest ass, most metal reputation among metalheads and goths. Oh, Vladimir? Vlad the Impaler. Yep. Is that who you're thinking of? Yes. Old Vlad the Impaler is number seven on the list. I thought he was much earlier than the 1400s. No, he, God, I'm such an idiot. He was the Damn ruler it. of Wallachia uh, three times between 1448 and his death. He's also considered one of the most important rulers in their history and he's a national hero, hero of modern day Romania. He's Vlad the Impaler, Vlad III, also known as Vlad Dracula. Why do they love him so much if he's such a dickhead? I don't know. I don't know why he's a national hero. He sounds terrible. Stories of Vlad's brutal acts began circulating even during his own lifetime. According to one story, Vlad had two monks impaled to assist them to go to heaven. He also ordered the impalement of their donkey because it began braying after its master's death. Well, I would hope my donkey would bray after my death too. No, I feel like I'm skipping ahead on the impaling stuff. Does everybody know who Vlad the Impaler is? I do not think you should assume that. Okay. His name is exactly what it sounds like. He liked to impale people on big, sharp sticks. The beginning of Bram Stoker's Dracula depicts Gary Oldman as Vlad the Impaler and this army just making its way through their enemies and leaving behind a trail of men like slowly sliding down Ugh. sharp sticks hanging out of the ground. And it's like a forest of impaled men. And he did other really fucked up stuff too. For instance, uh, there's a rumor that while he was in prison, Vlad caught rats to cut them into pieces or stuck them onto small pieces of wood because he was unable to forget his wickedness. <laughs> it's got to be it. There's some German accounts of his atrocities. Those were published in Nuremberg in 1499 and in Strasbourg in 1500. And they depict Vlad at a dining table surrounded by dead or dying people on poles. He had a big copper cauldron built and he put a lid made of wood with holes on it on the top. And then he put people in the cauldron and he put their heads in the holes and fastened them there. And then he filled it with water and set a fire under it and let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled to death. Oh my God. And then he invented frightening, terrible, unheard of tortures. He ordered that women be impaled together with their suckling babies on the same stake. The babies fought for their lives at their mother's breasts until they died. And then he had the women's breasts cut off and put the babies inside head first. Thus, he had them impaled them together. Romanian hero. Yeah. Modern day Romanian hero. Huge jerk. I don't understand that. But. What? The impaling? Th no, just how he's so revered today when he's obviously a monster. Uh, I don't know. George Washington owned slaves. Aren't you glad that there was some nerd back in the day that was taking notes on all this shit so we could know this stuff? Yeah, there's probably a lot worse stuff that maybe is lost to history. Yeah. Now, there's two fellows left here. They're both from the continent of Africa. One I only had heard the name of and the other I was just vaguely familiar with. So, I'm going to help you out with these. Number eight on the list, have you heard of the name Shaka Zulu? It's not ringing a bell. It's not Shaka Khan. You've, have you heard of a Zulu warrior? Yeah. Yeah, I have too. I guess this may be where they come from. Shaka Zulu, he was king of the Zulu kingdom from 1816 to 1828. So, this is a long ass time ago. Say he it again, the years. 1816 
1828. Okay. Not that long compared to the other guys. No, not a long time, but definitely a long time ago. Mm-hmm. He was one of the most influential monarchs of the Zulu kingdom. The aggressive expansion of Shaka Zulu's armies caused a brutal chain reaction across the southern areas of the African continent and dispossessed tribe after tribe turned on their neighbors in a deadly cycle of fight and conquest. He sparked a chain, uh, like a domino effect of bullshit across Africa of just murder, murder, murder. Oh, and also Wait. at the same time that this was going on, uh, Africans were also being like sold into slavery and shipped over. You Africa know. and African people have had a rough go of it. Yeah, they? no shit. Uh, one element of Shaka's destruction was to create a vast artificial desert around his domain. You know, like um, instead of putting up a moat, he made an artificial desert. And he did this by making complete destruction. He organized bands of Zulu murderers to regularly patrol the wastelands, hunting for any stray men and running them down like wild pigs. An area 200 miles to the north in the center of the state, 300 miles to the west, and 500 miles to the south, was ravaged and depopulated, just to put a defensive desert between the other tribes and his domain. God damn. Well, and it's not like back in this time you could hop in a car or hop in an airplane to get to the next town. No, so that dude. means there were no... You had to yeah. outrun a Zulu warrior. That's crazy. Uh, so that's all I have on Shaka Zulu. It's not quite as in-depth on account of it was so long ago. But uh, I assume he did all kinds of dickhead things. Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm shocked to hear about him. Shocked to hear what now? Just about him. Oh, all these, Oh, God damn it. He's all these fun facts about Mr. Zulu. All right. So, the last one. Let's see if you've heard of this guy. Does the name Idi Amin ring a bell? No. Okay. This is another Am man. I a history idiot? No. This is a name that uh, rang a bell with me and there was a movie starring Forrest Whitaker called The Last King of Scotland made about him that I recognize like, oh yeah, this guy is some kind of dictator from Africa. You might recognize the pictures of him wearing a military uniform with a billion medals and ribbons and shit on it. What's his name? Edi, I-D-I, Amin, A-M-I-N. Oh, I see him. So, Edi Amin was a Ugandan military officer who served as the president of Uganda from 1971 to 1979. He was popularly known as the Butcher of Uganda, which is usually the nickname of someone who murders people. He is considered one of the cruelest despots in world history. Yeah, and I remembered him from this image because uh, he wears this military uniform, tons of little medals and things all over it. You know, he only ruled for eight years. It's the shortest leadership by far well, of everyone on here. He got busy with it. Yeah. So, he started out at age 21, he joined the British Colonial Army as a cook. Uh, but he rose to the rank of lieutenant. Then Uganda gained their independence from the United Kingdom in 1962, and Amin remained in the armed forces. He rose to the position of major, and then he was appointed commander of the Uganda army in 1965. He became aware that Ugandan President Milton Obote was planning to arrest him for misappropriating army funds. So he launched a military coup in 1971 and declared himself president. During his years in power, Amin shifted from being a pro-Western ruler, enjoying considerable support from Israel, to being backed by Libya's Muammar Gaddafi, Sayer's Mobutu, Seize Seko, the Soviet Union, and East Germany. A real who's who of yes. 1970s assholes. Amin's rule was characterized by rampant human rights abuses, political repression, ethnic persecution, extrajudicial killings, nepotism, corruption, and gross economic mismanagement. International observers and human rights groups estimate that between 100,000 and 500,000 people were killed under his regime. They also did a lot of genital mutilation. He's a big fan oh. of that. Uh, victims soon came to include members of other ethnic groups, religious leaders, journalists, artists, 
senior bureaucrats, judges, lawyers, students, and intellectuals, criminal suspects, and foreign nationals. Like, is there fucking anybody <laughs> that he wasn't killing? All, yeah. the fun, all the fun and interesting people he's killing. <laughs> fun. In this atmosphere of violence, many other people were killed for criminal motives or simply at will. Bodies were often dumped into the River Nile. Among the most prominent people killed were Benedicto Kiwanuka, former Prime Minister and Chief Justice, an Anglican Archbishop, the former Governor of the Central Bank of Uganda, the Vice Chancellor of a University, a prominent playwright, and two of Amin's own cabinet members. He survived eight attempted coups, eight <laughs> wow. attempted coups in eight years. You remember I said earlier they give themselves some uh, goofy titles. Yeah. Best goofy title award goes to Edie Amin. His self-bestowed title ultimately became, let me see if I can get this in one breath. His excellent. You already lost. <laughs> Sorry. His Excellency, President for Life, Field Marshal, Al-Haji, Dr. Edie Amin Dada, VC, DSO, MC, CBE, Lord of all the beasts of earth and the fishes of the seas and conqueror of the British <laughs> Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. <laughs> the beast and the fish of the sea was so out of left field. It gets all boring as hell with the, the, with the, uh, the different acronyms and then all of a sudden, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes <laughs> of the seas and conqueror of the British Empire and Africa in general and Uganda in particular. Yeah. I like how at the end he's just, he's kind of rambling, but he wants to make sure you know, like, you got all of Africa, but also like particularly. Especially Uganda, yeah. Well, he's called himself president for life, but that didn't happen, right? No, he's dead. Uh, he did become the subject of other rumors like uh, the widespread belief that he was a cannibal. He reportedly also boasted that he kept the decapitated heads of his political enemies in the freezer, although he said human flesh was generally too salty for his taste. Okay, so he's at least tried it. That makes me think he probably has because I've heard the smell of burning flesh referred to before as like pork. Well, how do we verify? What do we do? What's next? Oh, we got to eat a part of you. Do you want to come over to my house and burn yourself and I can smell? <laughs> no. No, I don't want you in my house. We got a social distance. Can't do it tonight. So, let me run down once again the 10 most brutal dictators <laughs> starting at num when you start with Genghis Khan at number 10, you know this is going to be a shitstorm. Yes. Number 10, Genghis Khan of Mongolia, the Mongolian Empire. Number 9, Idi Amin of Uganda. The number 8, Shaka Zulu of the Zulu Empire in Africa. Uh, number 7, Vlad the Impaler of Wallachia, what is modern-day Romania. Number 6, Pol Pot of Cambodia. Number 5, Kim Il-sung of North Korea. Number 4, Saddam Hussein of Iraq. Number three, Adolf Hitler of Germany. Number two, Joseph Stalin of the Soviet Union. And number one, Chairman Mao of China. Yeah, I just don't know if I agree with Mr. Mao at number one, but... I think in terms of pure body count, he definitely, yeah. he definitely won. He didn't have the flair of an Idi Amin. Yeah. Certainly didn't have the flair of Vlad the Impaler, who did. In fact, all the of these of guys... The thirst of blood for uh, Genghis Khan. Yeah. Not, as, not a lot of flair, but definitely a lot of dead people. Yeah. And sometimes that's all that counts in life, dead people. That's for this list, that's all that counts. Well, that, I, I was going to say that was a fun list, but I'm not sure that it was. It was, a, it was a list. It's fun to learn. Yeah, it was a list and I learned a lot. I think some of the more interesting things I didn't know was about that self-made desert. It's interesting. Um, of the Zulu. <laughs> it's a hell of a tactic. Let's put a defensive desert around us. For hundreds of miles. For like 500 miles. miles. Hundreds of miles in every direction. We're just going to make it a, a wasteland. Crazy. Well, you taught me a lot of fun facts today. I have some fun facts for you. Did you know, and mm -hmm. these are rhetorical, Brandon, because you already know, did you know that Oprah has a bathtub molded in the shape of her body? I could use yes. a gasp here. <gasps> yeah. 
Did you know that Tom Cruise left all of his ex-wives, I think there's three of them, once they all reached the exact age of 33 years old? Ew. He doesn't like old ladies. Did you know that Matthew Broderick killed two people in the 80s? <gasps> I want to tell you that you can get more fun facts and hot takes about your favorite and least favorite celebrities in our new bonus episode available right now for our Patreon members. It's called Celebrity Fun Facts and Hot Takes. Very creative name. You can listen to it as well as all of our past and future Patreon-only episodes right now at patreon.com slash tennispod. And since this episode's releasing in August, I can officially share the news that we've added a lower-priced Patreon tier for you cheapskates out there. So for now, just $2 a month, you can support this show on Patreon, yep. get perks such as early access to main episodes, free merch, and more. Or you can upgrade to our $5 tier to unlock all bonus episodes and coming soon, add free versions of our main episodes. Hell yeah. So you don't have to hear me talk about shaving my balls anymore. God, please. <laughs> so Brandon's going to sign up for Patreon now. Mm -hmm. So get started right now and I will personally mail you some free tennis pod shit to your mailbox. The hand that shaved those balls will pack your mail. That's right. So I'll send you some stickers, uh, magnets, coasters, stuff like that. Anyway, just go to patreon.com slash tennis pod to do it. Thanks. All right. That'll do it. That'll do it. Uh, we'll see you next week for my list. It won't be about dictators mutilating balls or threatening to shoot their principals to get an education. Uh, I will have something a little less aggressive next week for episode 98. Good. You mean week. Yep. And until next week, we will see you later. Thanks. <laughs>